This is Carol Steves, and you're listening to Reality Ranch Podcast. Everyday Meditation For every human being, it should be a specially created duty each day after waking from sleep or at the latest after rising to spend at least a few minutes in meditation. If possible, then 15 or 20 minutes can be used for this purpose. Even if no special or deeper meaning exists for this meditation, it is advisable to simply align the thoughts and feelings inwardly and trying to find out something concerning one's own consciousness and regarding that which moves it in a deeper manner, regarding feelings for others, peace, love, and harmony. This creates a consciousness-based inner calm, gives rest, and brings relaxation, while the meditation, which is directed inwardly, makes the consciousness, the thoughts, as well as the resulting feelings and memory keener. And it is precisely these values that are used in everyday life for a clear intellect and a good memory are extremely useful, especially regarding worldly concerns. That's why it's important to spend at least a few minutes or if possible 15 to 20 minutes in an adequate meditation after sleep and rising, after which one is happy and relaxed to follow the duties of everyday life and to remain a good honest, peaceful, and dignified human being. There shall emerge no thoughts and no feelings of coldness, of strife, anger, or hatred against other human beings. Also, no unsatisfaction with respect to any material things. If any mistakes occur, be it against oneself or in relation to the work or any other things, then certainly it can be responded in the right way and manner, peacefully, correctly, in a justified measure. Just a short meditation after sleep and getting up through which relaxation, rest, and peacefulness will be created makes it possible to adequately adapt to situations and circumstances in a reasonable manner without losing patience and inner peace, or without disregarding one's feelings for others and the necessary love. The meditation can already be oriented to it, necessary love. Consequently, the behavior also responds in this form, which is of particular value in daily dealings with one's fellow human beings. When in the evening, the day's work is done, then taverns, dance halls, alcohol, as well as questionable pleasures bring no rest, from which follows that the best route after work is to your home or to a quiet place where there is no noise or bustle. At a quiet place or at home, at least a short meditation can again be practiced where the daily routine is recapitulated or, for example, where it can be determined what can be done better in the future. To take time for such a meditation is important because the day can be thoroughly considered and be determined what was done and how it was done. It is important, therefore, to reflect on the words, speeches, actions, and deeds that have filled the day and to determine what was wrong and what was done right and what needs to be improved. If bad things were done, remorse is required and a firm decision that in this respect, there is no repetition. When good words were given, good speeches performed, good actions done and good deeds done, then the firm decision is to be taken to continually act equally in the future. Such a meditation can be particularly important before bedtime because it is the most effective in this way and can be taken into the sleep 
and in the morning after waking up can again be addressed if needed. Some Yase Silver Star, Star Center, February 1st, 2012, 8 a.m. Billy. You can find the translation of the Everyday Meditation by Billy Meyer on the Creational Truth website at creationaltruth.org. Join me now for my interview with FIGU Passive member Mark Lever. Hello. Hi. Hi. How you doing? Good. So this is Mark. Yes, this is Mark, and this is Carol. Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) I was I was I was looking to see how long we've known each other. We've known each other since two thousand fifteen. Oh, okay. I I didn't know how long it had been. Um, I went into our conversations at Facebook, and it says, "Yeah, 2015." We said stuff to each other, and and that was it. And then kind of went from there. Okay, so four years. Yeah. And you and you pronounce your last name Lever, don't you? Yes, Lever. Mark Anthony Lever. And Mark, where do you live? Uh, Mobile, Alabama. Okay, I thought so. Didn't you tell me you were doing something with the New Jersey study group, though? Um, yeah, I was invited. There's a guy in Atlanta who was invited to the New Jersey group. And they're not officially a group yet. I just found out. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> they're, they're, they're trying to become an interest group. So the guy in Atlanta, his name is Mikhail. And he invited me to join the New Jersey guys. So for the last two or three weeks now, I've been hanging out up there. Which is okay, pretty- do, you, do you actually go up there? No, I, I don't. But they're doing online stuff now because of Corona. Oh, that's right. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes it, are. it makes so- it a little easier to not have to be there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not driving to New Jersey. You can't make me. No, because I kind of wondered. And, you know, for some reason, I didn't even think about the fact that you probably were doing it online. Like we are. Yes. Same thing. Yeah. Yes. So it does make for a little more flexibility. Yes. And uh, so I I know you have the the get the get peace right website. Yes. And and um, so tell me about how you found the mission and what you know all about that. How you started your your Facebook page and the, just tell me that story, would you? Sure. Um, we'll go back to two thousand eight. And it's funny because I've listened to a couple of your podcasts, almost all of them except for the last one. And you said that you also came across the Meyer material in 2008. And I yes. Daniel, Daniel did also? Yes. So maybe that was just a good year. 2008, I, um, I was in a place called Project Camelot. And it's a whole bunch of interviews by this guy and wo- this man and woman team. And I guess it's pretty much all UFO related. But I yeah, went. I know it's, I'm familiar with it. I actually watched some things on that too. Right. I, so I followed a guy named David Wilcox, who is who was supposedly supposed to be the reincarnation of Edgar Casey. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. And okay. I was I was following David Wilcox for a while, and I followed him into Project Camelot. And while I was in there. I followed George Green out. So. Well, George Green was my connection also. <laughs> so you watched the video on YouTube when he was on on uh, Wendell Stevens stage. And he was, he had a short little clip where he, he was trying to, he had brought his little anti-gravity device that wobbled all over the table. And he said the play aren't had given it to him and. So George Green was the introduction, <clears throat> that video. I came out of Project Camel, I went right to that YouTube video of George Green just to get some more information on George Green. Mm-hmm. 
And what's cool is you get blinks about everything and then you just kind of, you know, keep going anyway. So the blink about George Green was not good, mm-hmm. but you mentioned Billy Meyer. Yes. So that was it. That was the, that was the catalyst that started it back in 2008. So I, pretty much dropped George Green <laughs> and just kind of headed into Billy Ma. And what was, what's cool is that whenever I get into something, I don't mess around. I, I jump in 110%. It doesn't matter what, whatever I'm interested in, I just jump in. Right. So I did everything Billy Meyer for like everything I could find on the internet. I was compiling, compiling. I, I made torrents, Billy Meyer UFO case one, Billy Meyer UFO case two, and it'd be like 25 gigabyte of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, movies, documentaries, everything, audio, anything, anything and everything I could find, books, PDFs, whatever. Yeah, that sounds like me, <laughs> except I didn't torrent because I didn't know how. <laughs> you know what? I didn't either. Oh. I didn't either, but I had, I had been um, downloading things via torrents, but I'd never, ever uploaded anything until the Billy Meyer case. And then I'm like, I got to get this out onto the, out into the, into the world. I see. I figured it out. I barely winged it. I messed up a lot. You know, it took like four times and then it was, it was funny. I just, I did it and yeah. Yeah. So that was 2008. And one of the first things was, I remember, I don't, it wasn't, Maybe it wasn't the first thing because I was just consumed by all of it. Mm-hmm. But one of the things was, was, was there was an article and I'm just recently finding out the articles from 2005 and it was about the peace sign being upside down. Yeah. Now I had read it in 2008. I had my Volkswagen that I've had for a long time now. And the idea came in to buy some brake light covers for the Volkswagen that had peace signs on it and rotate them. Right. So that was the very first thing I did. So they have brake light covers that you can- They have aftermarket that they come called JC Whitney. You can buy any kind of weird stuff for your vehicle, Volkswagens. And so even the new Volkswagens, they had these peace signs. They had flowers and peace signs, whatever you want. So, and it, it was a perfect fit. And they're still on my car. Like that was 2008. So 11 years later, <laughs> they're still there. Wow. Yeah. Um, now, I remember that was the only thing I did. Was I just did that. And it just percolated for years, for years. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting at a movie theater in the parking lot in my car. And, and I remember someone saying, look, the, that hick from Alabama don't even know how to put his peace on. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm not from Alabama, but I do live here, so fair enough. So I, I was trying to think of a sticker, but the story was so long, you couldn't put it on a sticker. Yes. So I, I went stickerless. I just kept going, kept going. And then 2013, I got confirmation that the peace sign's upside down. And it was National Geographic. Oh, really? There's right. an article there, huh? There's a book. It's not even an article. It's a book. Really? They did a fifth. Yes. I didn't know anything about this. So tell me. I, I'll tell you Okay. <laughs> so National Geographic decided to publish a book, and it's a hardbound book all about the peace sign. 50-year anniversary book. So it came out in 2008, but I didn't come across it until 2013. But when I did come across it, it just changed everything. Mm. Because now I can tell everybody on the planet the peace sign's upside down. And it's coming from somewhere else also. Right. That most people trust. Right. That's what's cool is it's, you know, I admit it, I'm way out in left field. The, mm-hmm. um, and I wouldn't have it any other way. But when mainstream media confirms it, now there's no stopping you. Oh my gosh. Thank you for telling me this. And I'm sure other people don't know this either. It, it's funny because nobody on the planet knows. This. 
So that wasn't a very well-read book, I take it. It wasn't a well-read book. And it was like 175 pages. Only three, three or four pages talked about Gerald Holtham. And he's the guy who made the peace sign. But he's also the guy who changed his mind two years later. Yes. And changed the symbol. Yeah. From 19, the, the peace sign was designed in 1958. Two years later, he changed his mind and the symbol to the arms up symbol mm -hmm. instead of arms down. And there's a couple little storylines that go with it. There's the nuclear disarmament, campaign for nuclear disarmament. But there was also other stories that weren't as widely published. And one was is that he was in despair when he made the symbol. Right. I have heard that. Okay. Yeah. And two years later, it was the third March. So March, the first March was in 58, 59, 60. On the third March, he said things changed. And it didn't make any sense. He said he drew himself in despair. Mm -hmm. He said it didn't make any sense to keep using a despair symbol. Right. So because he, he understood, didn't he? He figured out. He, that... so, yeah, it finally clicked and he flipped his peace sign during the march. And for the next 25 years, all correspondence to family, you know, Christmas cards, whatever, had the corrected peace sign on it and a dove. He died, in, he died in 1985. His last will and testament request was to have two arms up peace signs on his tombstone. For some unknown reason, his request was denied. I know, I've always wondered about that, why they didn't do it for him. Because what a simple request, why not? Why not? Well, think about it. Let's say you're... Let's say you're pulling the wool over the whole planet. Like every, yeah. there's people that know that it's a negative symbol and they shouldn't be using it, but they continue to use it anyway. And I'll give an example is the CDC itself. The Campaign for Nuclear Dis Disarmament, CND, I'm sorry, CDC. <laughs> That's the current people. They're just, they're just as bad as the other people, but let's talk about the, well, yeah. we'll stick with the CND for now. So the CND, I, I've tried talking to him a couple times saying, look. Okay, wait, what is the CND? Campaign for Nuclear Disarmament. Okay, okay. They hired Gerald Holtham to make a symbol. Right. They know, and they knew as far back as 1963, because I found a newspaper clipping from 1963 saying rune of death. So they knew that they were using the rune of death back in 1963. Now, when you go to the CND website now, they don't mention that anymore. So the history has been changed a little bit, but the article is still valid. The, you mean the book that was written the, by National Geographic? The book that was written, but this is outside the book. This is like a, another. Oh, I see. Okay. Right. They were interviewing because apparently back in the 60s, the Christians were like, yeah, this is, you know, this symbol is being used by Satanists and we really don't want to be associated with it. So this secretary at the CND had to reply. And she said, it's not a Satanist symbol. It's not a crow's foot. It's not. And she explained it. Uh, nuclear disarmament, the flags, NND, and death of man. The circle represents the womb or an unborn child. I'm like, holy macro. So the CND knew Gerald changed his mind. Surely Gerald had to have said something to somebody. Yeah. 
Maybe I'm sure he did. Maybe he didn't, but the clues I'm getting is maybe he did, and they ignored it. Well, the fact that he wanted it changed on his tombstone. Yes, it's pretty sick. I mean, I mean you know, put on his tombstone the right, right direction. Can you imagine? And and my thought was is all right. We can start a we can start a GoFundMe. We can get him a new tombstone because what the heck? Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, let's say you let's say you were a peace person from way back, just like you're a Beatles fan. So now you're going to go see the tomb of some of your departed people. So the guy who made the peace sign died, and you go to his tomb. You get there, and there's two peace signs with the arms up. Wouldn't you ask a question like, oh, what's up with this? Yes, of course. <laughs> well, they don't ask that question now, do they? Because they're not going in the direction they should be, which is up. They should go up. He requested up. He didn't get it. Yeah. Well, have you ever had um, an impression about the, the, the death rune or the, you know, the incorrect peace sign? Because, you know, I was born in the 60s, and so the peace sign was really popular when I was growing up, the, the, the incorrect peace sign, let me put it that way, yeah. the death room. Yeah. And I never liked it. Wow. I never would gravitated toward it. I didn't draw it. I didn't put it on my clothes. I didn't wow. do it. I never used it. Excellent. Excellent. And I... I thought about that when I realized it was the wrong way. I thought, well, no wonder I never really liked it. And you didn't even know why you just. No, I didn't. I right. didn't know why I couldn't. If, in fact, I never verbalized it to anyone. It yeah. didn't seem, it was more almost on a subliminal level, but yet, you know, I just remember feeling repelled and going, nah, I would draw hearts. I would write peace, <laughs> love, flowers. all that. You right. know, hippie flowers, right. a little bit. But, yes, no know, symbols. No, no, no. I didn't draw those symbols. That is and cool. I and I had the same impression, you know, you and I both have a, a Facebook page. Yes. You've spent a lot more time on yours than I have on mine. A little bit. But, but yeah, just, just a tad. And, now go ahead and share, um, share, the, say, share the name of yours. Oh, um, Turn Peace in the Right Direction. Yes. Very nice. And, and um, I worked on it for a while and then kind of left it. Now I'm trying to put more things on it. But it, to me, it was really, I went out and bought a pin that I could turn the right direction and wear it on a jacket. Yeah. I mean, I felt it was really important just like you did. Yeah. I, um, you know, I have that necklace you've seen a picture of that I had a friend actually weld. It came with the, the little loop that you hang from a chain yeah. of the wrong direction, of course. Yes. And I bought it purposely to turn it around. Yeah. And I had a friend weld a little loop on that yes. for me. Excellent. So I could wear it the right way because I thought it was really important. And it is. That, yeah, because I, I really thought also that, you know, what the player and were saying that it's actually keeping us from peace is true. Yes. It was one of the things keeping us from peace. And now, of course, they've come out and said, you know, please step it up. Right. Step it up. It's right up there now with overpopulation. Right. And even before they had their bumper stickers, you know, we made those bumper stickers. Our group did. Yeah. And um, we finally started giving them away at our information tables and people would ask, can we have these? We said, yes, they're free. Please put them on your vehicle or anywhere and people like them. And I actually need to order some more. We're out of them now, but um, I I think it's really important. And so that's why I I wanted to interview, not only to get to know you more because I know only a little bit about you, but also I want because you have such a campaign going to get peace right which is of course the name of your facebook page and i i notice i'll google it and i see your name around on the web (laughs) you're getting around aren't you (laughs) you know what you know it's it's a barely thing it's like i can't be in a hurry i'm gonna have to hand this torch off to somebody in in, you know 70 more years or whatever say look i can't get i can't i can't tell all nine billion people so someone's gonna have to take over yeah well, you're, you're getting around and more and more people seem to be catching on and inexplicably, and it may be because of stuff you're, you mentioning my name or whatever, I don't know, but suddenly lots of people are liking my turn piece in the right direction page. I'm going, where are these people coming from? Right. 
I'm not sure, but if you're if you're responsible, thank you. <laughs> um, you're on a you're on a I call it the uh, welcome to yeah it's a it's a welcome email, and people okay. who are are participating actively are mentioned. So. Oh, nice. So no wonder. Yes. I'm glad I asked you because I was scratching my head over it going, I'm not out actively sharing it, you know, right now. And I thought, where are these people coming from? So it just dawned on me. It's probably you. It, so it could be. And, and I'm not taking any credit for it. It could be. No, I, I understand. But I mean, you know, it's it's what I'm saying is thank you for, you know, promoting this right. and and um, getting this message out there because symbols are such a powerful have such a powerful effect on our psyche yes and, and people don't i don't think they consciously realize a lot of times how important they are right and you know of course we've learned even more that they're I, i've learned they're even more important than i thought they were <laughs> once i learned about the spiritual teaching yeah. or the teaching symbols yeah yeah and so um you uh so you said you aren't from do you mind from alabama you mind telling me where you're from um, usually what i say when someone asks me where i'm from i usually say my mama okay <laughs> that's true right because because then you know then there's nothing really to fight about you know if i say i'm from los angeles oh yeah you seem like you'd be a hippie dude and and what's funny is i was born in the 60s also and never mm -hmm. ever was i interested in the peace symbol ever same 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 as right me. just yeah. like and mm -hmm. i didn't even give it the first thought nothing there was nothing no, no. attraction i wasn't no. drawing flowers or anything i just the whole thing was it was like it didn't until i read that article right well what i meant was i i'm a doodler yeah. you know and i would doodle like um and draw you know these pretty flowers and maybe sometimes write love yeah. and things like that but yeah i was the peace sign, I totally rejected it without even realizing it. The, the fake peace sign, I should now, say. The false one. The unpeace. Yes. What's cool is talking to people about the peace sign. And I and I and I do talk to a lot of people. Not not like I don't I'm not I'm not missionizing. I'm not No, I understand. But I've had a lot of experience interacting with people about the peace sign. And some people say that they've never seen it upside down. That somehow, and it's usually women that that tend to say this, they, really? they see it arms up. No matter how it's presented to them, they've never seen it arms down. So they didn't even right. notice right. it. Oh, that's that's interesting. Right. So when they're talking that, to me, that wasn't the case. Right. When they when they were talking to me, they're like, Yeah, I've never seen it any other way than the way you're presenting it now. I'm like, wow, that's pretty, that's pretty deep. Yeah, that is. And what's the most interesting, you know, conversation you've had about the peace symbol or reaction or, you know, from somebody when you talk about it to them? Um, well, each one is unique and cool. And, and I enjoy each of them because a lot of times there's a, you know, there's a big dry spell or whatever. Before Corona, I was having a garage sale, trying to get rid of my personal belongings. And I have a whole bunch of peace paraphernalia. Because <laughs> again, whatever I get into, I, I go crazy. I had 150 different styles of necklace. Now you talk about the guy who welded the circle onto the other end of mm -hmm. the peace sign for you. I would break the circles mm -hmm. off and just drill a hole through the, through the peace sign and reattach a different, because I didn't have any welding equipment. So I, right. I had a drill press, I had a hole punch, I had a, I had an airplane hole punch, I could punch through anything <laughs> and just rehang it. You know, the little loops, they break off pretty easy. Yeah, the edge is a little sharp, don't cut yourself. Mm -hmm. But I had 150 different necklace styles. Hmm. And then I got into why, I did iron-on shirts, I stamped everything. When in 2014, I went to the center, the Samyazi Silver Star Center, for the first time. I look like a billboard. 
I mean, I had a fanny pack. There's a piece sign on it. I had a hat. I had a shirt. I had pants with, you know, bleached etching piece symbols into it. There was nothing that wasn't. And it's funny because I was in the kitchen and Billy came up to me. Uh-huh. And he says, did you know that the peace sign's upside down? And I went, yes, I did. <laughs> now, the one thing about, this is the most valuable thing I've ever learned. Mm-hmm. Whenever you say something like that, like, yes, I know, mm-hmm. you kind of terminate the conversation. Yeah, that's true. And I did. The conversation was over that fast with Billy Meyer. And what I learned was, I should have said, (laughs) Billy, tell me everything you know about the peace sign and I'll tell you what I think I know. Because what I think I know, you know, may or may not be true, but tell me what, you know, and that we could have talked for an hour and a half. I could have recorded, I could have wrote a book, blah, 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 you know, but no, I had to say, yeah, I know. <laughs> so you learn, and and it's cool. You learn, you learn, you learn. So note to self: don't be a know-it-all. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and sometimes I don't know about, um, I, you know, I get caught off guard, and and don't know what else to say. <laughs> yes. You know that happens too, yeah. and you know you just kind of go. Your mind goes a little blank. Yes. I've had that happen a couple times too, where you just go, I can't say anything. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, exactly. (laughs) And later you go, darn, I wish I'd said this or that, but that happens to me a lot if I get caught off guard. I tend to go blank and go, uh, I'm not really um, very good with snappy comebacks unless I'm in a certain zone and I'm usually not there. (laughs) So... I'm usually pretty quick on a snappy comeback also, but it's weird how when you get caught off on, when you get caught off guard, it really, you're like, whoa, I guess I need to keep my guard up all the time. Someone will slide something sly or clever and you're like, okay. Yeah, because that, cause that was pretty clever. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny i think i would have busted up laughing if he said that to me and i had him all over me it was pretty funny and i have toned it down a little bit <laughs> i've got like 50 shirts i wear them every day you know you, oh yeah you're the you're the and it's funny because people say oh you're the you're the you're the peace guy i'm like no i'm the get peace right guy there's a big difference mm-hmm. yeah. yes so i can tell it's really important to oh <laughs> well You know, what's cool is that it was important to me. It was important to me. And then getting confirmation of how important it is. Yes. From Billy Meyer. Mm -hmm. It's really important what we're dabbling with, with this symbol that we're playing with. Yes, it is. You know, we, you saw that uh, picture. We had a friend who had that, the one that was turned the other way and my husband, just said to him, hey, you know, that's actually supposed to go the other direction. It, and he said to him, symbols have a powerful effect on your psyche. So he changed it. No argument. No. Didn't even want to hear the story or anything? <laughs> no, I guess not. He just, you know, Bill, Bill, thought, Bill thought he might kind of ask it, but he didn't. Right. He, just tr- he just trusted him, I guess. I mean, you yeah. know, oh. that it was correct. Yeah. And maybe it felt right to him. Maybe... I should ask him sometime what made him. Yes. He, well, I did kind of say something to him. He goes, well, I'm a fast learner. <laughs> or I'm teachable. That's what he said. He said, I'm, a te- I'm teachable. You know? And, and that's really a good point because really, don't we, if we're go- going to be a part of this uh, evolution, yes. we need to be teachable. Yes. Yeah. It's the most important thing, I think, is to be teachable. Yeah. And, and what's funny is that we're, we're narrow-minded like crazy. Like this way or no way? Well, what about no, no? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know when we have our info stand, um, people often come up to us, especially when we were doing on Pearl Street Mall, and they would tell us how it was. They're like, no, 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 you have it wrong. 
pretty much. That's what they were saying. This is how yeah. it is. And they would tell us their idea yeah. of how, you know, they think things are really yeah. are, what the truth really yeah. is. And so that was interesting. We would just sit and, you know, I would just sit and listen to what they had to yeah. say. And, well, you have your point of view. Yes. And you so, can, you can learn from people. So you, you go ahead and yeah. and listen yeah. to them. Yes. Yeah, you can. And I thought that was pretty interesting, though, that people would walk up and think they had it all figured out or they would walk up and. So this, the overpopulation thing is what got them that usually triggered yeah. people because it was on our skirt and they would walk up. What is this yeah. all about? And then we would just very matter of factly <laughs> explain it and they'd go, oh, OK, and they just leave. Because they realized we, we weren't looking for a yes. fight. Have you had a lot of info stands? Like, tell me about we you, have. you guys started as an interest group. Are you still an interest group? Yeah, we're still an That's interest cool. group. And how many yes. are you? How many are there? Well, there's there's four of us yeah. right now. And the I think the most we've had uh, attending is probably eight. That's cool. And then we had a couple of people move. Uh, one And one guy's back, but he hasn't, of course, we're... Go, now going online yeah. um, but uh, we've had people interested but you know there's not a lot of it takes commitment and you have to you know go every week or every month I mean yeah. and so there aren't a lot of people around here that are interested on the enough, planet you mean so far. <laughs> yeah on the planet yeah. right because you know that's that's something we noticed at our info stands it, it, because we were having them every month from um, we would start in April if we could. The weather here is very changeable, so you never know. And we would end in October, and we would have one once a month. And then we also, now we mainly do the indoor ones because we don't have to worry about our materials being destroyed by right. the weather. Because it can rain here at a moment's, or the wind comes up and takes everything away. So because of the wind, we, would have, we had these really cool paperweights on our table that were yeah. crystal. Well, people would be drawn to our table, not because of what it said on the skirt, but because of the paperweights. And I know. And one of them was like, looked like a pink diamond kind of. It was diamond cut. It was just a big paperweight. And the kids were always really drawn to it. And they would all come over and start looking and they go, oh, we just wanted to see your rocks because we, you know, our paperweight and we have rocks too holding things down. And they weren't even looking at the what what I think is the most important information in the world sitting right underneath them, which I found amusing and sad at the same time. And I said, isn't this society? They want to see the bright and shiny things, but the hard work underneath, they weren't yeah, interested. Yeah, we don't read anything. Or the, truth. <laughs> or the truth, yeah. And they wouldn't even look at, or sometimes people would come up because they were from Germany and, the, and they saw that um, our information was also yeah. in German. And they would ask, well, why is this in wow, German? Yeah. And they'd get kind of excited and we'd start telling them why. And they were like, oh, okay. And then they'd walk off. <laughs> now, what's cool, what you have to remember now, this is what I've learned just with the peace sign is you're planting a seed. Oh, absolutely. So everything absolutely. is perfect, you know, whether they're attracted to the rocks on the table or, you know, the German. Yeah. It's all good. I just thought it was interesting. Oh, no, I never let it discourage yeah. us. And we, um, we thought, just thought it was yeah. interesting. And then we started having them at the new age fairs because, you know, when I was looking for information, I actually went to several of those trying to find um, what yeah. I was looking for. I knew I was looking for something. <laughs> I was looking right. for the truth. And, and I would go, you know, I was open-minded. So I would yeah. look everywhere. And that was before the internet was also right. big, you know, in fact, there wasn't an internet when I was looking at first. And, um, so I thought, you know, since I was searching there, how about if, you know, we're, and we're also a counterbalance to all that, you know, un unreal stuff that's going on at yes. the show. And so um, we, I found that the people coming to those shows are actually more open-minded to look at what we have and are ready to look yes. at what we have. And versus the people walking down the mall. Although, you know, I think there was value yes. being there. Because everything, uh, everything, everything counts. But now, of course, all of that's counts. on hold. Yes, everything counts. I definitely think so. And you have to be I patient. Think. And this is a, an extremely slow yes. process. Because sometimes um, people who are working the booth 
would say things to me with me about well, this is why are we doing this? this they're not even paying attention and i'm like you know you just have to be yeah. and let them because some people are walking through the mall and they may see it several times before they even approach us you know yes so you know what i'm i'm getting right at. you have to be paid and it's a great practice it is, it, it is. yes yeah so you've um do you want to tell me anything more about you? I can tell you everything. I'm an open book. What do you want to know? <laughs> okay. So, well, tell me, you know, just um, what do you do? Like, uh, are you retired? Yes. Are you? Okay. I thought you might yes. be, but I wasn't. How would, how would I have time for all these peace sign corrections if it wasn't? <laughs> That's true. And, and before, what did you do before? I used to be an air traffic controller. I thought maybe you've told me that. I almost said that just now. Yes. That's a very high stress job. It was, yes. It was. It was. Wow. I did it right out of high school. I went in the Air Force for four years. I did it for four years there. I got out. I joined the FAA. Did it for sixteen years there. I was medically disqualified. Oh, why? Um, depression. Oh. It was after nine eleven. It wasn't 9-11 related, but it was after 9-11. So in 2002, it was my last year working. So that was a while ago, <laughs> 18 years ago. And since then, I've, I've researched and searched and searched and searched and jumped in everything and back out again. And, and, yeah. and, now I'm going to Switzerland. Yes. Well, not not right now, of course. Not right now, but when I can, I'm not. Yes. I'm going to go to Switzerland and stay. Oh, you are. Yes. Oh, nice. Yes. And what what's weird is I was going to do that in 2014 when I first went to the center. Mm -hmm. That was my intention. I didn't know about all the rules and stuff. I just said, yeah, I'm going to go to Switzerland and because that's where I want to be. Right. Um, I had just left Thailand where I was hanging out with Buddhist, mon Buddhist monks for about seven months. Wow. And I love meditating with Buddhist monks. And I love the whole environment because it was kind of like forced, forced meditation. Okay, now where were you? I at? was in Thailand. Oh, Thailand. I, okay. I, in 2013, I came across a group of people here in Mobile who meditate. And that flabbergasted me because I thought I was the only one in the whole state meditating. Mm -hmm. But there's about 20 people on, on any given day to get together and they meditate together. So I was excited back in 2013. I jumped right in, became the door greeter. That was it. It was perfect. Meditation. Because I've been meditating probably since 2000, maybe 98-ish. But it was always so. What, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. What got, what got you into meditation? Probably stress. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, you were, you were stressed and so you were looking right. for a right. way to relieve the stress. Everything's like a filter. So I was seeing... You know, an air traffic is a stressful job. So I was seeing a chiropractor every Friday just to get a little stress relief for the weekend. Um, massage therapy, anything and everything. I was, I, I, yeah, I even got into acupuncture and all kinds of stuff. Try, and, and meditation was just one of the many things to try to deal with the stress. Mm-hmm. Coffee wasn't a good idea. <laughs> Sugar, candy bars, you know, the whole uh, smoking, all of those things weren't really good ideas, but I was, I was doing them and then they slowly went away. So meditation, and it was funny because I would be, you know, there's not too many meditating air traffic controllers out there. There, there should, should be. be, but there ain't. <laughs> so well, what type of meditation did you learn? Did you learn a specific type at, at first? In the beginning, what I went to an audio bookstore. For me, audio books were like 
really cool for me starting in 1997. I couldn't get enough of them. Mm -hmm. So I went into an audio bookstore and I came across a meditation. It was called Deep Meditation. And it was a, it's called a bi, bi, binaural. Yes. And it was just called Deep Meditation. So it'd go do back and forth, back and forth for 30 minutes. And it worked. It would take you into this deep state of meditation. You just, so I would come out and go, yeah. Uh, you come out like you just took a nap, yes. but you're awake. You're awake the whole yep. time. You're there the whole time. You're conscious. So I would play this little thing at work. And then I would also just sit and go quiet. And it's weird because when you get quiet, your surroundings get quiet. You have an effect. Like my friends are very vicious as air traffic controls. It was, it was like a shark feeding frenzy. Don't be weak. Why do you think it was that way? It might have been all the caffeine, the stress, the <laughs> nicotine, the boys club. I mean, there were women air traffic controllers, but they had to hold their own also. So do you think being an uh, air traffic controller, you're kind of in survival yeah. mode? And, it, and it's not really about working the airplane survival mode. It's just there's an adrenaline. It's an adrenaline rush. So you spool up for it. Okay, we're going to get busy for the next two hours. You know, so you have to be alert. So you better alert up <laughs> and get in there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. But what I did notice was that one day I meditated in the tower instead of taking a break. And 20 minutes later, all of my coworkers were pretty subdued. <laughs> there was no, <laughs> there was nothing. I was like, all right, all right. So, so you observed a change yes, around Yes, that was you. the first time I noticed a change around me. And I, I noticed it a lot. I mean, I was in, I was in nature. Okay, I was I was meditating in Thailand on a we'll call it a straw hut or some kind of you know thing all natural, and it just sat in the middle of nature. It was wide open. There was a monk, a couple other people, about eight of us, and we're just sitting there. And before the meditation started, there was a lot of little noises in nature. The wind was blowing through the leaves. The crickets were chirping. It was just a lot of little noise. And when we were done 20 minutes later, it was quiet. So it does have an effect on your surroundings. And, and in the marmotor, it says, you know, when you get done meditating, don't be in a rush. Exactly. Yes. You know, there's some things that can come up. Let them come up. You might get an insight or two. Let it come up. Don't go back into thinking mode so quickly. Yeah, that's important. And that's such a nice time, too, when you're coming out of your meditation, yes. I find. And, and it's, it's a rejuvenation because you're going, you're going, you're going, you're going inside. And so after you learned that type of meditation where you use the electronic you know, yes, to help you sound. get yes. binaural beats, right? Because I started with that kind of thing yeah. also. Well, actually, I started with uh, transcendental med meditation and then... Now, hold on, I have to ask um, you, how much did you pay? Um, you know, I know. Can you believe what they charge? Now, luckily, I was given the student rate, so I think I only paid about two hundred fifty dollars oh, for my New York City. It's eight hundred dollars yeah. right now. If you want to, if you want a secret mantra, just all by yourself, it's eight hundred bucks in New York City. Yeah, I had, you know, I was pretty young when I. Someone suggested it. I was uh, living in Salt Lake City, yeah. of all places, and uh, the HR manager where I worked, I was in a very high stress job, and he. He was in a high stress relationship. Let me just put it that way. And he knew he was my HR manager and he was my partner's best friend. <laughs> and he's the one that suggested to me that I try transcendental yes. meditation. 
And I was in my 20s. I think I was like 24 years old. So I, I kind of went, oh, that's interesting. And then I forgot about it. But then a few years later, I did end up getting, I know, I couldn't believe later that I paid. <laughs> it's all good. It's all, you, know, you got to go through the experience. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I didn't buy into um, any of the, you know, I looked into the whole Maharesh, Ma, what was his name? The right, that guy. That guy that all with yeah. the Beatles. I think he's he's Probably. dead now of course but but uh i looked into ayurvedic uh yeah. medicines and i thought that was pretty interesting and i explored it and experimented with it but i didn't um you know the whole where the levitation where they yeah. they were all supposedly right. doing that they it was like the yeah. hopping that just looked like they were hopping to me i didn't <laughs> i i never knew if any of that was real i i didn't ever get that far with it i just used it for meditation but i also realized later when i learned more and more about meditation that i've actually been meditating and maybe you maybe you realized maybe you did too i don't know but i i've been doing forms of meditation most of yeah. my life and children do a lot of meditating yeah. naturally and i realized that and we we tend to move away from it as we grow yeah. up so um you you spent this time and you you said something interesting that I want kind of want you to ex tell me more about is you said it was like forced meditation when you were in Thailand. What do you mean? By I was that? in charge of all the classes. Oh, OK. So you had, had to, be to be there, there right? With the monk, like the monk would give he would do the, the guided meditation. But mm -hmm. if there wasn't a class and the classes would normally last an hour and a half, two hours. Um, but. Every other second, we were all hanging out. And it was my job to make sure everybody was okay. Any questions you want to, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So I was in every class meditating. And it was cool because we'll call it forced meditation. I had to. I had no choice. I mean, I had a choice. Yes. I could have left. You can, well, you committed <laughs> like, to it. Yeah. And, you were and it was good. I mean, yes. it's cool. I would meditate outside of the meditation classes. It was so cool. Well, it sounds like it helped you a it lot. It did. And it's a whole lot different now that I'm back in, we'll call it the real world, you know, because that is that to, to meditate six to eight hours a day and six and, and seven days a week. It wasn't like it was there. It was every day. It was cool. And how long did you do About, that for? How long did you meditate? That, um, much? that must have started until January of 2014. And I left in May. I left just in time to go to the annual meeting in Switzerland. Okay, so you already knew about yes. at this point. Oh, that's right. You did because you found out about it yeah. in 2008. Okay. Yeah. I went on a vacation with the Meditation Center of Alabama here in Mobile. That's how I got to Thailand. Okay. I went on a three-week vacation and oh, I didn't come home. <laughs> <laughs> and what's weird is I, had, I was open to the idea. I even thought about walking home from Thailand. Yeah, just drop me off. You guys go ahead and go back to life. I'm going to walk home. <laughs> <laughs> okay and how would you have gotten matter, <laughs> you know you can try that transcendental meditation and and, and left state <laughs> right so why did you come home what um, you well it was time okay. when you can sense it you know it's like okay i need to go and then they invited me to go to the philippines with them they were doing a a once a year gathering of all the religions and it was called a peace meditation in the Philippines. And they needed volunteers. I'm like, yeah, I'll go. So for 35 days, I was in the Philippines setting up this big event, 2014. And then it was over and I'm like, okay, I'm driving my scooter. I had a scooter in Thailand. I'm driving my scooter to Switzerland. Forget that walk home stuff. I had a scooter. I had made a contraption that kept the sun off of me. I could have installed a windshield on it if I wanted. It held my suitcase. 
had cargo for gas and water. I was on the top of the mountain, ready to go into the first country, which was Burma, Myanmar. I'm not sure which one it's called. And they said, you can't cross here. This is for locals only. So I had to go all the way to the second crossing spot. The second crossing spot, they says, you can come in the country, but you can't bring your personal vehicle. I went, what? <laughs> they said, you have to be on a bus, like a tour bus. You can, you can come, but you have, to be, you have to be guided. You can't just drive your scooter all through our country. Right. So I gave the scooter away, jumped on an airplane and flew to Switzerland. Yeah, it was a lot easier, easier. Huh? but I was right. I was on top of mountains. Yeah. I mean, I was on I was on seven seven hundred meter high mountains. It was cool because it even said it on the map seven hundred and seventy seven meters. I'm like, ah, okay, that's pretty tall. And it was, well, you know, that you make an interesting point about how you just thought, you know, I'm just gonna just yes. travel there. Yeah, okay, because I, you know, it's something I've noticed. When I was a kid, I lived up near Yellowstone yeah. Park, and I used to I used to yeah. traipse everywhere, tramp around, you know, look for wild asparagus. My mom taught me how to find certain things that were edible, yeah. and I'd go find them, bring them home, and you yeah. could just go anywhere, really. And now, uh, I don't remember where I was at, but several years ago, I was taking a walk, and everything was fenced off. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was like, when did this happen? When is... You know, I guess the first time I noticed it was I took a trip to Hawaii uh, in, I think it was, oh, 20, yeah, 20 years ago, and more than 20 years ago. And I, I, I had this idea about, you know, having a fire yeah. on the beach, you know, can't, uh, I can't, you couldn't, you couldn't even be there after dark. <laughs> it's just like, what has happened to our world that you can't even go to yes. the beach at night? Or, or have a little fire or yeah. do anything. I mean, you could sit on a towel during the yeah. day, you know, or ride your surfboard, whatever. But um, I started noticing how everything's so regulated and fenced off more and more. And kind of sounds like that's what you were yes. finding out. And too. I was too naive, you know, who, yeah. who, you know, you just can't go, you can't drive 7,000 miles on a scooter through everybody's country. You, just, you can't. Yeah. I I probably would have been a lot along the way, like, oh, hold on, we got a Samaritan. <laughs> yes. Hang on. Put him on a video, YouTube. The other Possibly. choice now was to go to, through China. A, I was like, okay, I can go to the others. I can drive all the way across Thailand, go up through Laos and into China. I'll mm -hmm. probably have the same difficulty there. So I'm just going to take an airplane and go. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You probably could have done it, but you would have arrived. Right. And I was okay with that. I was going to arrive in Switzerland <laughs> one year. I was going to stop in East Country for 30 days, oh, hang out at the beach, okay. do whatever. Yeah, there was no timeline. So. Yeah, instead of walking home, I was going to take a scooter home. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> so you went to Switzerland. And that was in 2014. And, uh, um, and, and it's funny because they have all these rules. The first rule was you can't come up to the center. I'm like, why? I said, well, we're having our annual meeting and only passive members can attend. <laughs> I'm like, okay, sign me up. I'm, I'm coming up. Sign me up. So I joined, came up, hung out. Oh, the next rule is you can only stay on the grounds of the center for 21 days. I'm like, all right. Yes. All right. Well, pencil me in for 21 days then. And that and that's how long I stayed too. One of my trips it was twenty one days. And then yeah, number three was Europe. Mm -hmm. Europe has a ninety day rule. You can come visit us for ninety days. You have to leave for ninety days. I'm like, now how am I supposed to hang out in Switzerland and help out for the rest of my life with all these silly rules? Right. Well, I think you can if you have a certain amount of money. Yeah. I think yeah. in your savings. Last time I checked, it was like fifty thousand dollars or something. Yes. You could go well, that's there. the plan now. I'm going to go live there. As soon as, 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 soon as I can get on an airplane, because I thought about all right, if I can't fly, take the train, all the other mass transportation, my Volkswagen, 
I could retrofit it with some paddle wheels. You know, <laughs> how, do you, how do you get to Switzerland from here? It's not easy. Yeah. No, it is not right now. Not right so. now. And there's, you know, uh, well, this problem right now with the airlines, which I'm, I'm a bit, I don't know why I should be shocked by this in the world we live in, but, but they're selling tickets for trips that don't actually, they don't plan on even take, taking people on in, on the airlines. And I, and yeah. so they can get money because they're yeah. struggling right now. And the, the way we found out about this was, and I even have a couple of friends who are, I, I know two people now that have fallen into this web and one <laughs> And one of them is staying with us. It's my son's girlfriend yeah. and she's French. And she was here on her 90 day visa. Cause it's the same thing. If you're from France and you can only be in the U S for 90 days. Right. And so she, her 90 days are up uh -oh. in just a few weeks. And so she was booking her ticket to go back to France and uh, Norwegian airlines advertised a flight from Denver a direct flight from Denver to Paris to the Charles Chagall airport. Well, that doesn't exist. It never has. You can't fly directly to any, anywhere outside the country from Denver that I know of. You never have been able to. And the, to my knowledge and you being an air traffic controller, maybe you know that, but um, she can't, she didn't ask. She just assumed it was doable. Yeah. Right. So they issued her a ticket for a flight that doesn't no. really exist. And it was the, the way they're getting people is it was cheap. It was a one way for like 300 and some dollars, which, you know, that's a yeah. total steal. And then come to find out that she she sent her flight information to the French embassy to let them know she was going home yeah. and she was supposed to and everything. And they said, oh, no, no, that doesn't exist. And they had to tell her that her that was a scam that they're running because they're no. suffering. And I thought and I thought, how what a shame that they're yes. resorting to this. And then when they, what they do is issue right, a credit. Vouchers, which is what they, yes, that who knows yes. if you'll get to use it. Yes. But they have your money. Welcome to. <laughs> so. It's yeah, not going to get any better. It's like, no, it's not. It seems like it's definitely yes. devolving, doesn't it? Because, you know, um, so I guess they don't really care about their stellar reputations. I don't now, know. Or, not that they have stellar reputations now, I will anymore, share but. with you that Norwegian does have those cheap flights because that's how I used to get back and forth. No, I understand. But there's no flight from Denver, directly from Denver to Paris. There just isn't. I've flown to Paris. <laughs> I've Everywhere I go from Denver, I have to take, go through LAX or, or, or San Francisco or Seattle or New York or Miami you don't go directly from Denver to an international destination. I've never even flown directly to Mexico from Denver. I have to, you know, it's always via right. uh, Texas, Houston or, Correct. or Dallas. Yes. yes. And so that the embassy was informing her that that flight, no, I, I'm not saying that the inexpensive flights don't exist, but that's how they're getting people to book those flights. Well, what did Norwegian really say when, when, when you, when they call or when, well, she, they said, oh, um, uh, she contacted them via, well, of course, try it on the website. And we looked around and they, and they suggested she contact them via Twitter. <laughs> and I said, that's a great idea. And so if you go on Twitter, you will see her information. I mean, her name and her, her asking about the, her French flight and she she said to them look when can i expect a refund because this flight doesn't exist and they came back with kind of stock answers <clears throat> kind yes. of avoided you know and she told them the french embassy has told me this flight doesn't exist well a week later they canceled wow. the flight and you if you go on there um and you and she checked if you go on there and try to like book that same flight it says they're wow. all sold out and they, and they might be because it was a really good deal <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And so what they're doing, and, and I and I know this is happening because it's happening, it ha it's happening to someone I know in Mexico. They, they have a few vouchers. The same thing has happened to them. They're, a ticket is booked to go home yes. because they're stuck there right now. And then, uh, then their, their flight is canceled and they're given a voucher. 
And I said, that sounds really odd that this is happening. And, and I, this happened to them several times because they didn't know. And then I wouldn't have known that this was a scam. I just knew it sounded kind of weird until this happened. And the embassy told Leah not to buy a ticket now what about, anymore. What about the 90-day rule? Do how, do you, how do you get home then? Well, she now has booked through, um, I, I want to say it's maybe Frontier or somebody to LA. And then she's going from LAX right. to Paris on, right. on, I think, Delta. So, but it is happening. And, and the embassy told her, look, the the airline is suffering and they're they're offering these. They're getting money from people and giving them vouchers. And they're just canceling these flights. And I was like, wow. <laughs> so... <laughs> That is crazy kind of story. Away. Yep. Isn't it? Yeah. So um, I know you'll be able to get there once, once they open things up and once once the airlines yeah. stop playing this game. Because I thought, you know, you got they're gonna cut their nose off despite their face. This people are gonna be very suspicious and if this gets out that this is happening. And they're going to think twice about just automatically booking a ticket. To now, go I did hear something in the news about not Norwegian, but about the airlines in general. Like the government had to say, look, you guys are trying to pull something with people and you need to stop. The other airlines okay, there you go. might be doing mm -hmm. the same thing. Like we don't want to give you your money back, but we're giving you a flight. So right. we'll give you a credit also. I think more widespread than yes, just Norwegian. And okay. It is. And um, in fact, I think Delta, someone sued Delta for it because they weren't giving them a refund. And if you have a non-refundable <laughs> ticket, of course, they're saying, well, your ticket is because we had non-refundable tickets yeah. to New York City. And we were supposed to go there in April for our anniversary. And we canceled. We decided, of course, once we knew what was happening, we're going, no, we're not. That's. We're not putting ourselves and other people at risk. We don't spreading this around. We're not going. And um, they then they canceled. We waited because we figured they would cancel the flight. And it would be easier yes. for us to get a refund it, because we we just saw the writing on the wall. And well, they offered us a voucher because we have a non-refundable ticket, even yes. though they canceled the flight. And it's in there. You know, I'm sure we could have fought it, but. And, you know, I knew things were going to be protracted when a few weeks after they canceled our ticket and they said, we have a year to use the voucher. They extended it to two years. Oh. Yeah. So we have now two years. So they know how they know that this is going to be yeah. a protracted situation. And anyway, so when you when you go to Switzerland, do you know, are you going to nope. do you know where you're going to live? Where no. I'm going to go. I'll probably yet. stay in the area and just commute every day and then, you know, open to the idea of maybe staying there. This is Carol Steves with Reality Ranch Podcast. Join me next week when my family and I discuss our 2018 trip to Peru and our experience with an ayahuasca healing center. Until next week, Salome.